Welcome to episode 15 of Ed's Not Dead. I'm Robbie Dodd. I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Peter Crable. I'm here. <laughs> Good evening, okay, I Robert. I did not expect that. <laughs> Good evening, Mr. Crable. Hey. It's always good to see you. Thanks for the subs tonight. <laughs> no problem. They were delicious. They were, they were great. <laughs> yeah, they were good. Uh, Mr. C.H. Siddons, what are you up to? Uh, I'm about five foot nine. Okay. <laughs> That's a really bad old man joke. <laughs> How's it going? It's great. Okay, good. You guys are just totally lackluster <laughs> at the beginning of the show. You can find me at RWDOT on Twitter, Mr. Siddons. At C.H. Siddons. And at Peter Crable. And of course, follow us on Twitter at Ed's Not Dead PC. And our new website, Mr. Crabes. It's <laughs> uh, Not Dead.com. Dead.com. And we have two blogs up. I think we have one blog. Do you do you call it? Is it a blog post or a blog? You is should. Each you individual... should definitely. You should definitely call it a web log. <laughs> you should call it that. Okay. All right. Anyway, uh, Mr. Crable has an excellent piece. So good. Titled "Curriculum is not the answer." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So all you curriculum specialists or writers out there, don't be offended, <laughs> but it is a good read. And also, Mr. Siddons has a soon-to-be-published blog post on how bad lecturing is as an instructional strategy it is it's so bad it's bad I, according to i i i read it the other night mr Krabs and gave him feedback yeah. it, it basically makes lecturing sound like it's the root of all like evil it's gonna in, discourage of yes. public school yes. it is, it is. Of, of public education and higher education all education yeah public private yeah so anyway welcome back folks we have a great show tonight we are going to tackle two big Ed issues. There's lots going on in Ed news in the last couple of weeks, but we're very excited about an interview that we have tonight with Tara Garcia Mathewson, who is going to talk to us about the need to offer physics in high school and how that is not happening across high schools in the United States and also the shortage of physics teachers. They are basically like unicorns, right, Mr. Siddons? They are. Hard to find. Not too many of them trained and... I think Ms. Mathewson is going to share with us about how important physics is in the STEM focus that we have Indeed. in ed. You know, I woke up the other night thinking about STEM. <laughs> Isn't that oh, that's, weird? It's so weird. That's uncomfortable. Yeah. I, was just th- I was just wondering, when is the STEM thing going to end? Because we're, we're over a decade now. Never, Robbie. Yeah, no, okay. no, now next thing is going to be STEAM. <laughs> yeah, they, they tried the STEAM they thing, did. didn't they? What was the A? The arts. The yeah. arts. Yeah. That's and, a, and then there's also the H, STEAM. That doesn't work. Humanities. Yeah. Let's just include everything. Let's, that's right. <laughs> anyway. Um, and we, school. And public we, school. And we yeah. also have a great segment tonight on our dear friend. Dear Betsy. Yeah. Betsy is in the news. She has... I got a promotion on the show. I got my segment moved from a, a five-minute segment at the end to a whole segment. Yes, you did. It is a legit segment You guys are tonight. so nice to me. A lot to talk about. You're so right. nice to me. Yep. Betsy was recently with Leslie Stahl on 60 Minutes where... Um, she made herself look awful. And she so, didn't answer questions. No, she really didn't. all that well. She didn't really have answers. She was yeah. totally unprepared. Yeah. So we're going to talk yeah. about that. But first, let's get into show feedback. And right when I pivoted to show feedback, Mister Siddons walked away from the microphone. <laughs> are you? Gonna, I'm here. He's been you, here the whole time. What Sorry. are you doing? Sorry. All right. I got distracted. <laughs> show feedback. So I have two pieces of feedback that I collected from from friends of friends of the pod. Do as, tell. Okay, so the first one is from Serenity. Speed up the feedback. Serenity, <laughs> she uh, she thought that your comments about grading from last week it made her salty. Mr. Dodd, pay attention. Should take ten points off when things are late. Yeah, she <laughs> was not pleased. That's with how that. I feel about that. Uh, but she did feel like that you redeemed yourself later in the show. She you put her on an emotional roller coaster. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I kind of like the sound of that. <laughs> yeah, you play with people's minds like that. I know. You know you're I did, good at that. I did that to you when you worked for me. <laughs> I know you do that. I with did everybody. that to you just the other morning. You still do that, <laughs> okay. and it annoys me to no end. The thank, next part. Thank you for the feedback, Serenity. I I like it when you take shots at me. <laughs> The other feedback is from another friend of the pod, friend of the show, Margaret. 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 Uh, She was writing the other day, and she uh, thought that she could write and listen to the show at the same time, and little did she know, she had to be engaged. It's too good. (laughs) Too good. You can't multitask. Uh, so she stopped typing after Crable's wonderful drum solo in the beginning. Um, she said it was great to hear three educators talking about substantive issues in education. And she noted that in Florida, they had just passed the concealed carry permit law. Boo hiss. What is it? Is it smart or dumb? 
<laughs> so dumb. So dumb. <laughs> dumb. <laughs> dumb. Okay. Anyway. And no teachers have shot themselves since then. No. It's why the would last, that, like, that would never four happen? Four or five days. So, so that's good. So she also took issue with my comment about you two. Yeah. The band. Yeah. <laughs> right. Which yeah. she Casey says they're still great. Me. I, my comment. <laughs> I tried to peg it on Crable. You're you're usually pretty well informed about music from the eighties. Although no, that's not true. That's you, you absolutely hate, you, not true. You hate music from the eighties. I don't. I've you've turned me to a more positive uh, outlook. Eighties view. Yeah. Good. Okay. And I do love you too. You too is from good. the eighties. Yeah, Mr. Crable's the one that does not appreciate you two or Steely Dan. They should have gave up about ten years ago. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate you too. Like, yeah. I appreciate you too, Mr. Grable. Thank you. All right. uh, Last piece of feedback from friend of the show, Kevin Walcott. Once again, this is about music, guys. Uh, Mr. Walcott takes exception not with, about education it's about music yeah takes exception with mr crable's musical interludes in the show uh, i just listened to the latest ed's not dead i love it however you have a serious problem the introductory music is no bueno it obviously comes from one of those plastic keyboard things that pump out music not created with instruments uh this is funny it seems you push the old guy teacher music button Oh, God. Uh, you do not have to go Metallica mode. However, Elton John or Billy Joel would do nicely. Of course, anything off the Kiss Alive album <laughs> would be legendary. Uh, he did say, though, seriously, he enjoyed number <laughs> the number 13 edition. <laughs> he totally aged himself when he said yeah, that. Yeah. Um, and he said our guest was great, which was Rick Wormley. Yeah, you yeah. got it. All right, Kev, uh, keep listening to... Hold on, hold on. Okay, go ahead, sorry. I, I get a chance to defend okay, myself. Yes, yes, rebut. Go ahead. Okay. So most of the music is live instruments and actual humans playing them, all right? Every once in a while, I do sit... In my... That would be soul witness. <laughs> that would be soul witness. Right. Every once in a while, I do sit with, in my plastic keyboard and choose <laughs> like you know MIDI instruments, and uh, apparently I don't do a good job right. of, of covering that up. You're like Prince when you do that. You're doing yeah, like the... Yeah, but worse. <laughs> yeah, not quite at that level. Yeah. Anyway, I... Uh, High praise for Ed's Not Dead because Kevin has us in his rotation, and his rotation consists of SEC Country Live and Dog Nation. So those are two, I assume, Southeastern Conference football podcasts. I would assume. It sounds really engaging. (laughs) I know, but listen, he's got us in there. So thank you, Kevin. All right, boys, any other updates for our listeners? Nothing. Nothing? Nada. Nada? Nope. Okay. Um, let's, let's dig into Dear Betsy. All right, boys. Betsy DeVos was on 60 Minutes with Leslie Stahl. Did you hear about this? I did. Who's Bet- Betsy who? Betsy DeVos, our esteemed Secretary of Education. Oh, right, 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 right. right you yeah. Know, you know her. That's right. Uh, in fact, you created a really great segment that we've done all season on Betsy. Dear, Dear Be- Betsy. All right, so let's get into a few quotes. Mr. Krabs, are you ready? I just want to read you some zingers from the interview. Do you want, like, reaction or just... No, I'm just going to... You're just front-loading. I'm just front-loading. Okay. Okay. All right, so here are a few quotes. Betsy, we've invested billions and billions and billions. That's a (laughs) lot of billions, three billions. And, And what kind of results? In public education from the federal level, and we have seen zero results. Betsy again. Well, we should be funding and investing in students, not in school, school buildings, not in institutions, not in systems. And finally, I hesitate to talk about all schools in general because schools are made up of individual students attending them. And finally, from the best of... Uh, Leslie Stahl asked her, have you seen... Can I be Leslie Stahl? Yeah, you do that. I'll, uh, I'll be Betsy. Uh, Ms. DeVos, have you seen the really bad schools? Maybe, maybe try to figure out what, what they're doing? I have not. I've not. I've not intentionally visited schools that are underperforming. Well, maybe maybe you should. Uh, maybe I should, yes. <laughs> okay, so that was, that was an exchange. Uh, so clearly, uh, Secretary DeVos has never in over a year visited an underperforming school in the United States of America, which is, I, I think, probably a problem for the Secretary of Education, since those are the schools we want to improve. Maybe not in the whole country, in Michigan. In that Michigan. That question just pertained to Michigan. All right, so boys, Where respond. She's from. Respond. What, what did you think of those quotes and, more generally, the interview itself? 
you know, I think it one, it showed the value of a really good um, like media specialist to get you prepared for an interview because to eviscerate you. Oh no, you mean Leslie? Oh, you mean no, somebody preparing her? Her? Yes. yes. I'm like, my God, she had to know what they were going to ask her. Had no idea, right? She yeah. talks about school choice all the time. You need to be prepared to answer questions on school choice. You know, in as much as we want to like rake her over the coals for her answers and stuff, which I'm all for. You know, when she when she talks about, you know, well, kids could have choice and every kid deserves a chance to go to a school. And just because you are in a city and it's a bad school system, that doesn't mean you should be um, kind of like your school quality should be determined as low quality. And a kid in the suburbs has a great one. There should be some equalizer. When she says that, I'm kind of like, all right, you know, let's do something about that. The problem is when she starts to make these incredibly enormous generalizations when she can't actually back up any of her assertions with data. So right. w- one one of the exchanges that you got, or that, I'm sorry, that she got into with Leslie Saul had to do with, well, we've made no progress whatsoever yeah. in this country. None. None. Nothing to decades, show for it. In absolutely none. And so I did a little bit of digging and a little bit of searching because I was curious. I was, you know, because I've heard, oh, the, the PISO, which is the international test given, I think, every 12 years. Yeah. And there's another measure Tims. called the TIMS. TIMS, yeah. Yep. And... So I've heard that, yes, we don't do so well on it, but when you actually dig deeper into it, so on the U.S. PISA scores from 2015, so our score ranked us as tied for 39th, which sounds really bad. But if you actually look at the statistical significance of where we are, it goes all the way up to the ranking of number five. Wow. So where we fall in that standard deviation or, or within that average, mm-hmm. you know, it's a huge range. So it's not like right. we're doing so bad. In reading, we're the same as 13. In science, we're the same as 12. Mm-hmm. And if you look at some of these Tim scores over the years, we've actually done quite well and they've gone up. So for math, we started at 518 in 1995 and we're up to 539 in 2015. And this is just kind of like a standardized test given to fourth graders. Right. So when you actually look at some of the data, it does prove otherwise. And there are federal statistics that have shown that that achievement has increased for African-American kids and Latino kids over the last 30 years. Exactly. And so if she wants to make a statement like that, right. fine. Mm-hmm. Because there, I'm sure she could find some other data mm-hmm. that would prove that you know, it has not been, and they could have gotten into an exchange about the validity of measures or not. But instead, you know, it kind of precludes having a real argument about education and, and whether what we're doing is working or not, which she can't even cite well, any information the, to back up her claim. The thing that I figured out that puts her at a serious disadvantage in any interview is there's this elephant in the room, this thing that she cannot say. And what she can't say is that I don't believe in public schools. Because that's what she's that that's really where this all comes from. I mean, when she says we've made zero progress, essentially she's saying because public schools are not good and she doesn't believe in them. So she's always having to dodge. She can't be honest about what her true intentions are, which is to take a market based approach to education and, um, you know, diversify it as much as possible with religious schools or charter schools or whatever. But she would tell you a market-based approach would improve all public schools because... Yeah, well, she got nailed on that question. She did, I know. But she... And that's why I was like, oh, come on, just say something that's like, that can back you up because she would say... Her osmosis theory that that charter schools make the neighboring public schools... Because they're losing kids. Yeah. Yeah. And and competition will improve the public schools that have to compete with the charters. And there's very little evidence to support that. Yeah. It's also towing the party line, the Trump party line that America we're going to make America great again it's not great right now uh, and public schools are a part of that for yeah. her so she's towing the party line I, I was most I was most taken aback by her uh, pivot away from uh, the school to prison pipeline oh, piece she completely she was completely chicken on that. She would not answer yep. the question about suspensions. She completely pivoted. Yeah. Um, she said something to the effect of it comes down to individual kids. Yeah. You know, it's, it's for, there's can you people just on ex- both sides. Here, explain briefly. Here, just, yeah, you do Leslie Stahl again. No, don't do that again. Okay. Just sorry. explain I, what the kind of the context okay, of what this, she was talking about. This is about. what Stahl asked. Casey, here it is. So and then you can then you talk about it. Do you see this disproportion in discipline for the same infraction as institutional racism? DeVos responded, we're studying it carefully. 
and are committed to making sure students have opportunity to learn in safe and nurturing environments. And and again, the pivot is because she doesn't know anything about what she's talking about. She has no research to back it up. She has no data to say that one way is right or one way is wrong, but we do. And and I'll give you some data. So 40% of students expelled from U.S. schools each year, they are black. Black kids are 40% of students expelled every year. 70% of students involved in in-school arrests are referred to law enforcement. They are black or Latino. So to say that it's it comes down to individual kids um, and she pivoted completely away in a way that is shameful for someone who's in charge of the entire education system. Well, let, me, yeah, let, but, me, let, me, let me just devil's advocate here because her sign would say, well, those kids are doing things that gets them, get them expelled or those kids are the ones doing things that get them suspended. So what, you should you shouldn't discipline those kids. No, it, but the problem is that yeah, but stall hit her with that scenario. But white kids are what doing white kids are doing the same she thing. Did the, she did the individual kid thing. Okay, go ahead. White kids are getting are doing the same Don't thing. Get annoyed. I am getting annoyed. Okay. White kids are doing the same thing, and they're not being the the research has shown that they they do not get punished at the same rates, nor with the same heavy handedness as do students of color or students from multicultural backgrounds. Okay. Um, about a week or so ago on Twitter, uh, Ms. DeVos posted a picture of classrooms in rows Ugh. from, you know, the now some black and white, let's just say the 1910s, and then drew a direct comparison um, of a classroom <laughs> uh, from the current time with children also sitting in rows uh, with their hands raised and said, basically, look, we haven't done anything. We haven't made any changes. Um, and I was very happy to see teachers... <laughs> really annihilate her on that one and, and post pictures of students doing all sorts of really cool things of learning in different ways of not, you know, just sitting in desks in rows. And, you know, it's just talking about underperforming schools. She has created a caricature of what they exist. Yep. It's easy. End of herself. End of herself. It's easy to kind of tap into that and say, this is what schools are because in general, for the most part, once people leave schools, they don't really come back to schools. Very true. So there's this, you know, nostalgic image of what schools are. So it's really easy for her to put that forward and people think, oh, well, that's what's going on in schools. And she just keeps pushing this false narrative um, without actually having going into them. So I say good for good for teachers D- there. Didn't she pull that image from... It was a stock photo. A stock photo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, one, there was one tweet that responded that uh, was very concerned about her lack of referencing the image in an appropriate way <laughs> in MLA format. She didn't reference the image. I, I think the thing that jumped out at me was, I just can't believe that in the time that she's been secretary of education, that she has not gone out and visited public schools over that, and over that, and over that, and over that, again. Yeah. That need support that need more resources um, that have, you know, teachers and principals and paras and supporting services folks. And that are working so hard to try to, you know, improve outcomes. And she just, she's basically said to all of those folks that she has disregard for what they do. Well, and, and, and it's disregard for the system. Yeah. The lack well, of, they're well, all there, part there of is the no system. system. They're all yeah. part of the system. She, yeah. um, she also referenced the Title IX piece where we've talked about on the show briefly yeah. where the, those regulations are going away in yeah. terms of protecting. They're looking at the Obama of, era victims of sexual assault. Right. Yeah, they're looking at it, but they're revoking it. And she said that uh, the, the I believe Leslie Stahl's quote was or question was: Are there the same? Uh, there is there the same amount of false sexual assault complaints as actual sexual assaults? Yeah. And her answer was uh, basically, I don't know. And then Leslie said something like, Are they the same? And she said, she. Pivoted again from I think it. she said one false accusation is one too many. Right, right. yeah. Something, right. something like yeah. that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so on the flip side, uh, her response, based on the response she got from her interview, she called Leslie Stahl a practitioner of, quote, gotcha journalism at its worst. Worst. Um, and that she said that, quote, it's very unfair of her to ask me so many questions about education. <laughs> What? She said that? <laughs> okay, that's not true. I just made that up. That's from, that's from the Borowitz report in the New Yorker. Uh, but it's some good satire. I, and I'm shocked that she didn't say, 
Another example of mainstream media. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's the favored term, mainstream yeah. media. Yep. Uh, uh, DeVos said that she was frustrated that Stahl neglected to ask her about any of her really good ideas for the nation's schools, such as purchasing guns for teachers with money that is currently being wasted on books. That's fake. That's fake, too. Yeah. I know. I like it's like, that. I it's like it's, the onion. I think it's funny. All right. Uh, so... I think it's safe to say that Secretary DeVos will not go back on 60 Minutes and uh, will probably be more prepared the next time she gives an interview or she'll just go on Fox. I don't think she'll be back and, on 60 Minutes. And let me just say again that it's such a shame because we've had discussions here about No Child Left Behind, yep. some of the things that it did well, some of the things it didn't do Race well. Race to the top. Race to the top. Yep. A lot of things that yep. it didn't do that School well. School improvement grants, SIGs. You could really... Yep analyze and say what are they doing it's a shame that our secretary of education can't really have or put forth an informed debate or discussion about what she's pushing you want to have school choice okay right how do you do that yeah how do you know if it's working right right and again she just says well if parents make the choice then it's working yeah that's all the data you need is if parents have made a choice and it it kind of precludes any any sort of analytical argument. Right. You know, it's like you're arguing with my feelings. Right. Well, well, the I choice is the choice is the data for her because that's what she wants is 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 them to make the choice to yep. opt out of public schools. Yeah. All right, uh, folks, don't go away. When we come back, we are excited about our interview with Tara Garcia Mathewson. We're going to talk about physics education in high school and the shortage of physics teachers. And don't worry, we'll have another installment of Dear Betsy soon. Don't go away. All right, boys, we are very excited tonight to have Tara Garcia Mathewson on Ed's Not Dead. Casey, thank you for lining this up. Yes, I, I, I emailed. Do you, do you want to tell us how to say the, the Heckinger Report? Is that how you say it? Yes, Heckinger Report. Okay. Don't embarrass me. All right, I'm just sorry. <laughs> Tara, Tara is a staff writer for the Heckinger Report, where she covers national education issues. After graduating from Northwestern University, Tara worked... At the Daily Herald, Illinois' third largest newspaper, where she covered city, government, and education in Chicago's suburbs. That could be a whole other topic we could interview her about. Uh, Tara grew up in rural western New York and currently lives in Boston. Tara, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks for coming on Ed's Not Dead. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. All right, so I want to read you uh, one of your paragraphs, your fine writing from this report. Um, from this piece that you did recently. And then I want to get into this discussion about the paucity of physics teachers in our nation's high schools and the importance of physics in preparing kids for STEM fields and in their STEM education tracks. You ready? Sure. Physics is widely considered to be a building block for a range of STEM disciplines, science, technology, engineering, and math. And taking the course in high school is strongly correlated with getting a degree in a STEM field. So given that, dig in a little bit more for us. Tell us why physics has kind of jumped to the forefront and your reporting on this as so important for kids in high school. Well, the main reason I focused in on physics for this story is because the teacher shortage is so severe. So this, only after reporting the story did I did I actually realize how important of a building block physics can be for a range of STEM disciplines? Um, The data that I came across first is that physics is the only um, subject area that is in a severe shortage in every single region of the country. Wow. There are some areas that it's, it's really hard to find a bilingual education teacher or really hard to find special education, but physics is the worst (laughs) everywhere. Yeah. The worst of the worst, jeez, and a and a and a hard subject. I mean, it's not physics is not easy. So, so teachers need to be very trained in the in the content. Yeah, my uh, my my older brother is an engineer up in Boston, and I spoke to him after I sent him your article, and he he basically said if you're if you're behind in physics and obviously math, you are behind in in basically all technical careers. Is that is that did you find that, or did you find in- information about uh, how that connected to folks pursuing a technical career? 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, every uh, physics professor or anyone associated with the physics field definitely would say that the physics is right. the building block. It's the most important. But even beyond that, I spoke with some engineering faculty and, and other people from other STEM disciplines, and everybody really agrees. You, physics is a building block that you need, and if you don't have it, then you're kind of locking yourself out of other um, you know, very broadly. You don't have to be a physicist to take physics. It's, it leads into all of these different STEM disciplines. And I, uh, it was, it's, I actually got a, a pretty funny quote from my brother as well because uh, he took physics in high school. They didn't have AP physics uh, where I grew up. Did um, you take physics in high school? I did. I barely <laughs> that is a lot. Barely got through. <laughs> okay. um, so my he said his quote was so he had to take. Actually, when I mentioned this to him, he got. I think he got a little offended because I said. Did, and now so, you're saying it on air. So yeah, I know. So I said, "Did you have to take remedial physics in at at uh, Lehigh?" And he's like, he said emphatically, "No, it wasn't remedial course, but <laughs> he had to take up a course that um, an AP. Like if you took AP in high school, you didn't have to take." Uh, and his quote was, "It was like drinking from a fire hose <laughs> because they covered everything uh, that he learned in high school in a week." Wow. That's so wow. yeah. So in your article, Tara, um, I mean, you talk about obviously the shortage of teachers nationwide. So what kind of figures are we talking about here? Okay, so there are people that are researching how many more physics teachers we would need in this country to make sure that every single high school student takes physics before graduation. Um, and so right now, there are um, about 27,000 high school physics teachers in the United States. Oh, my gosh. And so some of them teach different other subjects as well. Um, but 27,000 high school physics teachers currently. And so to have every single high school graduate take a physics class, you'd need 51,000 high school physics teachers. Oh, my so God. So essentially double that We have 27. Number. We right. need 51. Yeah. Yes. Wow. So as a sort of follow-up to that, um, you know, you also talk in the article about how some states, and I think you mentioned Florida, kind of don't have any sort of requirements um, for physics, but then... Texas. Texas does, and it looks like about 10 years ago <laughs> they, they instituted mandatory physics, um, and now 80% or maybe even more are taking physics. Um, and I don't want to catch you flat-footed here, but do you know, how have you seen or did anybody mention like an increase in STEM-related majors? Like, since this has been going on for a little bit, have they found that it has opened up um, kind of new possibilities uh, to some students that maybe ha wouldn't have done it before? Yeah, I did ask that. It's a, it's unfortunately too early in okay, the places yeah. that I was talking mm -hmm. to. So in the districts that I interviewed who are, have shifted to a physics first model where freshmen get physics, um, and in Texas, it's still a little early based on how many students went through um, with those requirements. Um, th there's only a, there's not enough graduating classes yet to see that correlation. Um, so at this point, it's just the assumed um, the assumed consequence of requiring physics in high school is that more students will at least have the option of of pursuing that field in college. Because the idea is, it's not that you can't become a STEM major in college if you don't take physics in high school. It's just that you're more likely to be discouraged in college because the material is so much harder because you've never right. been introduced to it before. Right. And, and I, we, that connects to a, a conversation we've had previously about teacher shortages in general, where it's we don't have – there are people that are – like in, in talk about technology classes or technology teachers, they're going into other fields. If they are maybe if they are really proficient at whatever you know physics or computer science, right? They're not choosing teaching. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, one exactly. Of, one In of the physics departments at the college level, right. have not historically kind of taken it as their responsibility to train future physics teachers, right? And so right. some of the efforts to to increase the the pipeline here are working directly with physics departments on college campuses to convince them that they really should be right. doing this and should should put teaching out there is a is a good career option for people who have physics or go through physics majors. Absolutely. One of the main thrusts of your piece, Tara, is um, about how this this physics problem in, in high schools um, disproportionately impacts kids that are from low income backgrounds or are in schools that are predominantly low income. Tell tell us and the audience more about what you found out about that. Yes, like so many things in education, um, there is 
kind of a disproportionate impact on communities of color and uh, low-income communities. So these are um, these are places, whether they're inner-city schools or very rural schools, um, that they can't find or can't keep physics teachers. Um, there's lots of federal data at this point in terms of course offerings and um, kids, black and Latino kids and, and low-income kids, especially when these groups um, are highly concentrated in schools. You know, they don't have the same amount of access to calculus or physics or a lot of things. And when they, even if they do have access, kids of color and low-income students are less likely to take these courses. And so whether that's because they're counseled out of them or right. not actively recruited to take them, mm -hmm. I mean, the problem comes from multiple sides, but um, there are disproportionately few students um, who are black or Latino or low-income that are taking taking physics. Right. So it can be both a resource problem, a lack of opportunity, but then it can also be just kind of institutional barriers that block kids um, that are underserved from taking those courses. That's what I hear you saying, correct? Yep. Yep. Um, one other thing, Casey mentioned that I guess physics in a way is married to higher level math courses. Um, so you have to be, I guess, kids have to be pretty strong in math or at least have a solid math background to do well in physics. Did you unpack anything about that in your, in your piece or in your reporting? Yeah. And you know, some of the people I interviewed would push back against that because okay. um, that's one thing some people say, uh, especially when talking about the types of students who don't take physics now. Right. Um, there are people who say, well, maybe these students can't handle physics. Right. right. So, so I just, so, em I just embarrassingly gave the <laughs> argument why kids shouldn't be in physics. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Go ahead. <laughs> so there are plenty of people who would say that there are lots of different ways to teach physics. Right. And so, um, I mentioned in the story, one group, the New Jersey center for teaching and learning, um, that is training, uh, teachers, mid-career teachers, uh, in physics. And so there are plenty of these teachers who are coming from, you know, English backgrounds or teaching special education or, or you know, they don't have STEM backgrounds and they're switching to physics. And their uh, philosophy is basically being a teacher is harder than, than learning to be a teacher is harder than learning to, to teach physics. Right, right. Um, and so the course that they are training teachers to teach is a ninth grade algebra-based physics course. And so... This course focusing on algebra is helping kids. Uh, it was originally created in a school where kids had low math scores. Mm -hmm. And um, Bob Goodman, who was a teacher at the time and is, is now leading the New Jersey Center for Teaching and Learning, he had a background in physics and thought, well, physics is a great way to learn math because you're using a lot of the same equations, but yeah. it's more interesting. Right, and you're applying <laughs> so, it. Right, and so kids will, will learn the equations through projects and, and, and interesting kind of hands-on engaging labs instead of just memorizing equations and, and completing worksheets. Um, and I, you know what? I took a physics for teachers class one summer. I'm trying to redeem myself after my math <laughs> comment. Um, and, and you're right. I mean, there was a, the, I had this amazing high school physics teacher that taught teachers uh, physics as kind of an in-service course. And his whole way was the hands-on physics approach, yeah. which was great because none of us were, you know, I mean, I was an elementary classroom teacher, so physics was not my thing. And, and I really could get a conceptual understanding by how kind of hands-on he made it. Case, you're next. Go ahead. I, I must say I love worksheet-based yeah, it class. was. That it must be really fun. It was not that. Yeah. <laughs> um, one last question in terms of near the end of your article, you highlighted a student, uh, kind of a, a positive story out of the whole thing. What was your main takeaway from either that story or or the future of of this physics teacher issue? Well, I mean, there really are a lot of groups that recognize the problem and are, are working to fix it. So there's solutions, you know, at the college level, there's solutions, you know, this group that's training teachers at the high school level. Um, and so, I mean, given that there are lots of, of efforts kind of working on this, um, it is heartening to think that the future does not necessarily need to be as bleak as the present right. in terms of the, 
the portion of students that graduate from high school without ever having taken a physics course. And so, yeah, I spoke with some students in Camden, New Jersey, who were freshmen and taking a physics course. And, um, you know, not all of them knew what they wanted to do after high school. um, But just the fact that they were going through a physics course now means that they we're leaving themselves the opportunity to to make decisions about STEM STEM careers and STEM majors later. And yeah. so that's kind of the hopeful ending that it, at least, you know, there are students that are taking physics early and and maybe this will lead them to a STEM career one day. Yeah, and it's amazing when you raise the expectations for students, what they can do. So, oh, no, they can't do it. They can't do it. Then you let them take it. And it's like, yeah. oh, actually, you can. Yep. So. <laughs> yep. 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 But I think... Mm-hmm. We need good physics teachers, and that was... Do you need them? Yeah, there's a shortage of those. Tara, thank you so much. This has been great. Uh, Where can people find your work? How can they follow you? They should definitely go to Mm heckingerreport.org, and um, we have newsletters. So there's a a weekly Heckinger newsletter that that comes out every Monday and includes all the in-depth stories that we work on all the time. Heckinger really specializes in in-depth reporting on innovation and inequality in education. And so um, we have in-depth work coming out all the time. And then I also write a future of learning newsletter that focuses on innovation in education. And that newsletter comes out to subscribers on Tuesday. So everything is free. Um, people should check out our website, sign up for our newsletters, and um, engage with us. Awesome. And what's your Twitter handle? Yes, it's at Tara Garcia M. Very nice. Okay. All right. Well, this was great. This was a great piece that you wrote. Uh, we know that our listeners are going to get a lot out of it, and we are going to tweet the piece and make sure we get people to follow you, and we'd love to get you back on the show sometime with some of your future reporting. So thanks again, Tara. Say goodbye, fellas. Yes, thank you. Bye, Tara. Thank Take you. Take care. Bye, everybody. Fellas, she was great, wasn't she? She was. Very glad that she was able to come on. I didn't. I didn't mean. Um, I didn't mean to infer that you weren't smart enough to take physics in high school. Uh, did you take I, it that I, way? I wasn't. But you said you did. Were you kidding? I did. I, I did could. take physics. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. Well, I, I passed think, barely. I'm sure you did well. Yeah. It was my last class of senior year. <laughs> All right, folks, don't go away. We have hot ed issues in the news, and then Mr. C. H. Siddons has a quiz show for us when we come back. Right, we are back. This is the fun part of the show where <laughs> Any, anything goes. Yeah, we can do whatever we want. I get very stressed out with the interviews, and I have to be on my best behavior. You have to know something. And then we have to go back and edit the inappropriate stuff that Casey said. <laughs> <laughs> during, it's usually not me. <laughs> during the Dear Betsy segment. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's fine. It's good. Um, it's been a great show, boys. All right, so it is time for Interesting Ed Issues. I have do not have a good title for this segment. What's it called? <laughs> Hot Ed Issues in the News. Oh, that's so that's awesome. Such a good title. You got it. Take us to shoeberriness, England. <laughs> how, how do you say that? I... Shoeberriness. Okay. All right. So Casey has taken us there one more time. Shoeberriness. <laughs> all right. The Brits have a new approach, boys, to recess and playtime. In the UK, Britain's playgrounds, they are bringing risk back to build. Oh. Student, student resilience. So let me read you a quote from this article. Now, Miss Morris says proudly, quote, we have, fi- <laughs> we have fires. <laughs> we use knives, saws, different tools, all used under adult supervision. Indoors, scissors abound, and so do sharp edge tape dispensers. Oh. Uh, Miss Morris says they normally only cut themselves once. <laughs> And another quote, this view is tinged with nostalgia for an earlier Britain in which children were tougher and more self-reliant. That's when Britain was great. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Before the Russians could kill people right in there. (laughs) Oh, God. At a a shopping mall. Um, Too soon. It resonates with both right-wing tabloids, which see it as a corrective to the cosseting of the liberal nanny state. I love that. Cosseting. Cosseting, um, which produces millennials. Just kidding. (laughs) And with progressives drawn to a freer and more natural childhood. It's also supported by a growing list of government officials. So what do you boys think making uh, play 
more real life, having kids actually have to take some risks, maybe hurt themselves. Making it great again. Um, <laughs> I think it, I, it's, it's hard to do this justice without some of the pictures in the piece, but um, they were authentic kind of materials, kids using wood, kids using metal, um, things with sharp edges, as Miss Morris says. I think it's great. Yeah. I'd actually first heard about this um, – take away all adult supervision. And, and that's how I had first heard about this uh, maybe a year or so ago. They it just doing playgrounds mm-hmm. and it, you know, there was, it wasn't school based. It wasn't anything based. It was just, Hey, here's a bunch of hammers. Here's a bunch of <laughs> Lord, nails. Lord of the flies. Lord of the flies. Yep. Here's some lighters, you know, go nuts. <laughs> some light- <laughs> lighters. I, I made that up. That is, <laughs> totally. I think that. it's great. I, made that up. I uh, Well, you're a big outdoor ed guy. I and am. You're a big confidence course guy. But I also think that you need to, you need to mess around with stuff like that as yeah. a kid. Yeah. And I have a black I had a black eye from I'm pretty sure I was messing around with my cousin and a hammer at some point. Yeah. And that taught me to not do that yeah. anymore. But uh I was also played with fire a lot. And that <laughs> but was you didn't not do, a but good you didn't, thing. You didn't do <laughs> pyro. I was. It was a it was a it was a bad bad uh but you didn't play with, you didn't play with fire in school. No, no, no. But I did one. T- I do remember bringing in a magnifying glass early on in my elementary career and killing insects. No, I, I remember lighting my Converse All Star on fire. Oh, in nice! The, in the during recess, that, okay. this was pre. Where they like would have suspended me for that. <laughs> well, I wonder what in the United States. I mean, playgrounds have gotten safer and safer, and more and more antiseptic, and they're cool. I mean, they have you know climbing walls. Sometimes they have all different kinds of stuff, but um, I kind of like this idea. So. My wife, um, six, eight, nine months ago, told me about this thing where in New York, you can now pay people to not watch your kids. Okay, that is explained. Because you're so uptight that you couldn't possibly knowingly go to a playground and not watch your child. You would always have to watch them. So you give them over to somebody else. Right. And they sit in like a coffee shop. And your kid goes and plays and does whatever. That's dumb. And then they come back and find that person. See, I'm a Gen Xer. I can totally knowingly not watch my kids. <laughs> I have no <laughs> guilt about I mean, that at all. I I went to playgrounds before they started plasticizing them. Yeah, that's not a word, but yeah, uh, when they were all me- metal, when they were metal and there yeah. was there were hornets' nests in them, and yeah. and you know all the all the sharp edges and things like that. Well, yeah. I, and I do wonder because you know we go to playgrounds, my my kids and I all the time, and. You know, there will come a point when, you know, that it's not really going to float their boat and the imaginative play is just, you know, that's not really doing it anymore. And, you know, I, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, do some stuff, make yeah. some stuff, pound some stuff, yeah. break some stuff. Mm-hmm. There's there's actually a, this is kind of related, there's a, in Oregon, there's a summer camp for girls only where it's kind of like outdoor education. They go for a couple weeks and they build stuff. They're they're taught how to use hammers and drills and screws and screwdrivers and and they build things with each other and it's 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 looks like a really awesome program. Yeah. That that I th- I mean I think all these things kind of build a sense of competency in kids that Absolutely. they can they can try things that they don't know how to do and yeah. there might be some risk in that. They might get hurt a little bit. Um but they'll learn. They'll learn something from sure. It. Yeah. I, in the United States, they'll learn how to uh, be subpoenaed in a court of law. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, um, so that's in Britain. So we'll stay tuned, and we will tweet out that uh, link to that article, right, Mister Siddons? Yes, and shoe bettiness. Yes, yeah, say it again. Yes, shoe bettiness. Okay. Uh, good leaders make good schools. David Brooks. We are going to skip that. <laughs> Greatly. Yeah, okay. yes. All right. Sorry. Thank you for doing that. I know. Well, I just I do think we need to come back to it though because um, it does touch upon Dr. Reardon's work that we covered in a prior episode of Ed's Not Dead. I have no idea what episode that was. <laughs> the study of Chicago's schools, where Chicago is actually accelerating the rate of achievement for some kids, for a lot of kids. Um, and one of the things that came out of that was the importance of leadership. Okay. Right? Well, we, we can do it. Okay, we'll do don't, it. Don't get too deep there. Okay, I won't. I'm sorry. I'm just going <laughs> to go too far. All right, Mr. Siddons, help me out here. All right. Cue the music for the trivia show. Quiz show. Quiz. <laughs> All right. So uh, I have some questions that are very challenging for you both, very rigorous, uh, they, but they are multiple choice. Are you ready? Yes. They have, do they have? Are they? Are they about education? They are okay. Which university 
And uh, these are all in okay, England. Which university has the greatest where, number of ducks? Where in England? I'm going to give you four choices. <laughs> okay. As I said, it was multiple choice. Okay. I thought Thanks you were going to say shoeberry. <laughs> Which university has the greatest number of ducks per square meter? Okay. Is it University of Durham, London, South Bank University, University of York, or Queen's University Belfast? That's an easy one. I'm going to take I'm going to take Belfast. I'm going to take C, Yorktown. York. It is the University of York. Of course, I told you it was easy. Darn it. Yes. Uh, current, figures, <laughs> no current figures show 8.6 ducks per rood. <laughs> What's a rood? I don't know. Uh, uh, 1,000 1, meters, square meters. Okay. Is a rood? Apparently, yeah. Okay. Uh, number two. <laughs> The computer science department at the University of Aberte, Dundee. Why are we doing British runs the world's trip? first course in what? Hacking, Facebook, web forum management, or untangling power cables? <laughs> or the first two? Hacking gonna... or Facebook? I'm going to say hacking. Okay. I'm going to say uh, Facebook. All right, the correct answer is hacking. Ah, it's yes. called ethical hacking and countermeasures to be precise. Students on the course are taught to test websites and servers by trying to breach their security. When I was a principal, Excellent. I had a couple kids. <laughs> I remember that. They were hackers. That was they funny. You. Yes, they did. Uh, number three, which is the largest university in England by student number? Mm. A, the Open University. B, the University of Manchester. C, the University of Leeds. Or D, the University of Nottingham. <laughs> Leeds. Uh, Manchester. Mm, wrong. You're both wrong. Open University. The Open University has 176,560 students. They don't all count. Far and away, Taking more than the second largest. Where, where is that? Is that uh, in London? It's in Open. Okay. <laughs> um, it, it has more than the second largest, which is the University of Manchester, with 39,000. Oh, so I was close. Way off. Number right. four, which two Greek gods are on the seal of the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine? Zeus and Apollo. Is it A, Hermes and Metis? Is it B, Psyche and Athena? Is it C, Apollo and Artemis? Or is it D, Hades and Chaos? <laughs> Definitely not that one. Right, that's not the last one. I'm going to go with B. You say B, Psyche and Athena. Yes. I can't even. What was C? C was Apollo and Artemis. <laughs> I'm going to go with C. C is correct. <laughs> Apollo, oh, god of medicine. Yes. Apollo, god of medicine and right. music. Can and we Artemis, st- goddess of hunting. Stop interrupting me or I'm going to punch you. <laughs> Can we please and stop And comforter that? of women in childbirth are on the seal. No, one more. Okay. I got to get more. a chance to get even. All right. Is it All two right. ones? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, how about a sporting one? Oh, definitely. Ah, oh, gee, soccer. Which <laughs> I don't know sport? About soccer. Which sport did 19th century students at Cambridge University help develop? Footy. A. Rugby. B. Hockey. C. Cricket. Football. Stop interrupting me. D. Basketball. That's easy. You go first. Oh, I already know the answer. Ah, uh, rugby. Yeah, rugby. Correct answer is C, football. Oh. A revised version of the rules played by students at Cambridge's football club became the basis for the Football Association's God, official code yeah. in 1863. Really? Yep. And that's... Uh, do you want more? I got more. You want to give Crable one more chance one to tie more. it up? I certainly can. On I certainly can. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. This is, this is a film question. We just want another... This history. is a film question. <laughs> film. Okay. An aluminum. Uh, what futuristic dystopian film was shot using Brunel University's brutalist 1960s architecture as a backdrop? Is it A, Blade Runner, B, A Clockwork Orange, C, The Matrix, or D, Brazil? B, Clockwork Orange. That was my guess. A Clockwork Orange. Woohoo! That's right. Today's students are not subjected to this, by the way. That's what they said. All right. Well, that's yeah. good. You tried. You'll get me next time, Mr. Chris. There you go. All right. I, were those out of your comfort zone? No, that, that was, was great. Good. That was a good yeah. game. Yeah. It was all worth it. Our audience is going to love the British accent. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. Uh, boys, yes. it's been a great episode. It sure has. What do we have coming up? 
on episode 16. How many episodes do we have left for season one? Oh, I started the, the show yeah, notes for He's got us up to actually. 19. I don't know if we're going to get there. I think he, he, he has probably a, 18, yeah. He keeps pushing this 19. Oh, this 19 narrative. I would like 20, but... Yeah. Okay, so I want to let the audience know that we're trying to do a live show at Chatters in... Bethesda, Maryland, and I reached out to them. We it's could, actually in D.C. but In D.C., okay. okay. It's close, though, right? It's right, right? Friendship right, Okay, sorry. Right across the line. There you go. Um, they've not responded to me yet. Ugh. All right, so I'm going to keep working on that. We'd like to do a live show where we can invite audience, listeners, friends, family to Everyone. come listen to Ed's Not Dead. Could kind of be the, 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 the final episode of the season. What do you think? Yeah. Oh, we'll, so, get, we'll get some randos on the show. So yeah. you're saying 16 is going to be the final episode? No, no, just in general. Oh. No, 16 will take us to May, and then maybe we'll take a little time off and then do a big bash in June, late June. This Great. Is, he's teasing Casey. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Quit, yeah. quit inserting episodes. <laughs> um, and then we have uh, Education Excellence coming up in early April. Yes. That's right. Um, I think that, you, our next episode will be yeah, April one. 6th. Yes. Yep. Uh, we do have Carol Ann Tomlinson lined up for a episode after that, Excellent. by the way. Very nice. Yes. All differentiation. All yep. things differentiation. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we had the standard space grading. Now we're going to get Carol Ann Tomlinson. Yep. That's awesome. It's meaty stuff. Meaty. Siddons is the king of booking people, isn't he? I, I think amazing. I think people just get sick of seeing my email and they're like, fine, he after ne- 17 emails. I like it when he like asks me questions about it. I'm like, I don't know. You, yeah. you do it all. Just <laughs> do know, it. You're the boss. <laughs> yeah. All right, folks. Thanks again for joining Ed's Not Dead. Spread the word about the show. We love it that you tune in and listen to us. Please, please subscribe. Officially subscribe. And give us feedback. I just did recently. Because it actually boosts our uh, visibility on searches. And the feedback shows up. If you give um, feedback, it it gives us better search results. And we read it on on the air. Yeah, and it helps our ego. Yeah. All right, so you can find me at R.W. Dodd, at C.H. Siddons, at Peter Crable, or at Ed's Not Dead PC. You can also find us at Casey Howard on Facebook, which I have no idea <laughs> that, why Ed's Not Dead is called that, Casey don't Howard. Just search Ed's Not Dead. Uh, okay. It is called Casey Howard. It's, <laughs> it's, it's weird. Um, why would you say that? And, of course, our new website, edsnotdead.com. Uh, come back and join us for episode 16. Have a great night, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks.